Master Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Voss. Let's get started. So today I am excited to welcome Jeremiah Gray to the Master Your Voice podcast. Jeremiah, welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Heidi. I am thrilled that you're here. Um, it's been a while since I've seen you in person, and a lot has happened in the last couple of years with COVID and with music making, and my audience, some of them may know you, some may not, so I'm going to ask you, just tell us a little bit about yourself. <clears throat> what a question. Uh, yeah, so I went to CLU, that's where I met you. Uh, I did three semesters there to get my BA in music production and composition, and studied voice under you. And uh, before that, I went to Moorpark College, which also has a great music program. And yeah, I'm still pursuing music to this day. I decided to <clears throat> chase something that I knew going into school, you're going to go into debt. So I might as well study something that I know I love and I can't help but think about. So it was a bit of a conundrum trying to decide, but I'm ultimately very happy with my choice to have invested in getting an education in something that, you know, um, I'm sure we'll talk about the financial uh, struggles of trying to be a musician, what that looks like, especially when that is what you go to school for and life after school when you lose that community. But it's been such an incredible investment. I'm 28. Uh, so just looking back at the last eight years, really, of schooling and then out of schooling experience and uh, seeing how the investments paid off just by having an identity and a skill in something that is uh, kind of just, it serves you well, you know, as time goes on. And you get to, as you mature, your voice matures, your music matures, you get to watch the evolution of, of something that was once young um, and see it grow. So, yeah, as a Wonderful start. So the question I have for you then is, where did all the music, the love of music start? Did you grow up in a musical home or is there some kind of influences in your life? Were there experiences that propelled you toward pursuing music? Mm. Did you play instruments? Did, were you in the band? All that sure. fun stuff. Cool. Yeah. So my mom, no, nothing. My dad, his dad, who he never really knew, was a jazz guitar player, oh, that's uh, a session player who played with his um, credits with Louis Armstrong, Herb Ellis, a lot of wow. kind of vintage jazz players. He arranged vocals for the Beach Boys, harmonies and whatnot. So that got my dad in the music. And <laughs> I don't know if this is okay to say, he was like, he's a great man now. At one point, probably when he was my age, I think he was in like satanic rock bands, just <laughs> stumbling around LA doing that whole, you know, kind of very, the doors influence. We all get to be 26, <clears throat> 23 at some point. That high point. Um, <clears throat> so he, you know, I don't know exactly how, but he developed great musical understanding without any lessons. He was one of the first people to teach me when I started singing, singing how to use your diaphragm, how to really sing resonantly from your nose. And I was like, yeah, okay, dad. But then he'd sing some Roger Daltrey from The Who and just nail it using this technique to kind of flex. So, um, so yeah, it all kind of came from my dad. And he got, I have two sisters and a brother. He got all of us into music. I think my 18th or 19th birthday, he bought me a bass 
which I was oh, that's so cool. thoroughly confused because I had no interest in playing bass. I was not <laughs> playing music at this time. Uh, I felt like I was trying to be dragged into this whole music scene. And then I was listening to the band Cream. Oh, okay. Eric Clapton, Ginger yeah. Baker, and uh, Jack Bruce. And Jack Bruce was playing bass and singing. And he's an uh, operatically trained singer. And so I got into bass playing and singing really because of him and just also at that point saw the value of somebody who can rip and play intensely and with feeling but went to school for it and understood the foundation of music uh, so that's that's kind of where I got my my nudge was uh, was from my father and listening to kind of older music and then the more you start listening to music once you start learning I went to Moore Park and joined the choir there uh, and you develop your own ability. You f- get to see that, oh, I can go play songs of yeah. like any artist that I like. I can go learn it. I can go kind of, it's almost, I think especially with singing becomes like mimicry a little bit. Like well, yeah. you, you start, you listen to a certain artist. You want to sing like them. Maybe they're more dark or they're more so resonant. Jeremiah, yeah. that is yeah. exactly the next question I'm going to ask you. You're yeah, just, sorry, I'm you're just like, spilling over. No, the- <laughs> you're wonderfully prophetic and I love it. So, um, and wonderful because it's completely organic in the sense that I always find that's true. Every singer is an amalgam of where they come from, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's why I start with, okay, so where are you coming from musically? Does mom play? Did dad play? Did you grow up, you know, in musical theater or, and Mm -hmm. I can almost always tell where they're coming from and who their influences are. Mm -hmm. So even in this conversation already, you're talking a lot about, different artists that you grew up listening to. And like you said, you're not wrong in the sense that we do do a lot of mimicry when we're trying to figure out who we are stylistically. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you who your top three most influential artists or musicians are. That's hard. Oh, I know. I hate this question. It's a horrible question, but we all love this question too. We all <laughs> say that on our own. Um, Okay, so top three singers and or artists or just Either artists? way, I, I feel like I'll make it even more more challenging by being vague. Sure. Okay, shoot. <laughs> uh, well, I have, I'll stick with Jack Bruce from Cream. Again, mm-hmm. just as like a pillar. Uh, he's little known, but he's a phenomenal tenor, like really strong vocal range and was just doing acrobatic uh, stuff at that time that I don't think anybody else was really doing. Um, and you, when I still listen to him today, I'm like, I can't quite do what he's doing. He's putting it in such a powerful place resonantly that it just fills up the room. Uh, so that's one. Um, another You've got two more. Two more. Another one I'd say, um, I, love, I love the band U2. I love Bono. Mm-hmm. There's, he's not the most incredible singer. I mean, he does, and he definitely had like a peak time where he was, uh, his voice was really strong. But I think the way that, um, and again, this is aesthetic preference, but his lyrics and the meaning behind uh, his, what he's saying, yeah. kind of is one of the, he just, he always seems like somebody who's really doing what he's meant to do. He's like walking what he was supposed to do. And that took the form of singing. So as a singer, he's kind of an idol in that sense of, um, he's a very unique singer too. Like his, as an artist, he is a unique, I want to say voice, voice is such a tricky thing to say on this particular channel, right? Cause we're always talking about voice and it means like mm. seven different things, sure. but he, I, I would totally agree that he has his own 
unique mission with his music. Yeah. And he's very, it's very specifically, I don't know, to me it feels very Irish mm-hmm. and it feels like it, it speaks to a tradition that's bigger and broader than him, but somehow it's synthesized in him. I think that's absolutely. a really cool pick. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say to you and I and his love of America of gospel when they did yeah. the whole Joshua tree album, um, Oh, it's a fabulous I, album. I wrote a gospel song years ago that we worked on while I was with you. Yeah. And uh, I remember being in here and there's some note I couldn't hit. And it was awesome because I was like, I'm covering all my bases with the technicality. But the, you said, what is the meaning behind what you're saying, Jeremiah? Like, what, what are you really saying right here that you're having to go up and hit that note? And that that was such an afterthought um, it's a learning experience for me because yeah. that should have been at the forefront. And when I put that at the forefront, the technique just followed suit. 100%. So going back to somebody like Abana or anybody who's more of a poet, um, the meaning behind the, what you're singing can really inflame a voice in a good way. So he seems like one of those. Oh people. my gosh. I love that word. Inflame a voice. That sounds like a very dangerous pedagogical thing to say, but I think yeah. it's true. Like when you have a passion behind what you're saying, it just synthesizes. If mm. every fiber of your being is expressing something, mm. it just happens. Totally. Like it's in you. And especially if you're writing your own music, you wrote that. You didn't write that for somebody else's instrument. It should fit you like a glove and a custom tailored one. And so when you write mm. something and you struggle with something you wrote, it's usually because you're literally getting in your own way. All the time. <laughs> Isn't yeah. that the story of every singer, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is cool, though. You have to break down your own barriers and hopefully maybe, you know, I think songs a lot of times, uh, that's another conversation being a songwriter, but you hear them like they're not they're not so much yours. There's something you hear and then you have to steward it well and bring it out well. And there's that times... is a great debate I'm having on different on a different Ooh. level with different colleagues because let's go th- there. Yeah, I think let's go there. That's way more fun than my stupid questions. No, your uh, question is great. I'll finish. I'll give no, you one no, last no. one. It, later, save it. Cause save I really it. want to ask the, okay, I want perfect, to ask perfect. about this, let's your go. thoughts on it. It's good. So, um, thinking about whether a song is yours or not, mm. like that's a question. If it's, cause we're living in a world where there's like a lot of controversy with different singers saying things, doing things outside of the world of singing. Mm. And the question is like, does a song, once you release it to the world, still belong to you? Hmm. Or did you give it to the world and then other people, other people are going to react to it. It's going to mean something to other people. Think about that. It's a heavy question. That's a heavy question, but it's one I think about all the time, particularly given our current cultural moment. Yeah. Like, is it yours only? I see the relationship between a parent and a child to be very similar. Uh, that's a big step, but I, I do. Like whenever you create something and if it is intended to share it with people, you know, and like if you have a child, like they're not really yours. They're their own thing that's going to kind of grow and spread and have its own experience and mean something to other people that you'll never know. Oh my gosh, so, Jeremiah, you're killing me right now. Yeah. As the yeah. mom in the room. <laughs> yeah. So there's an I totally element. get this. And to hold on to it, you know, I, I mean, I guess there's all sorts of legal ramifications that that can kind of spill into, but just solely f- for it being something that you, a song, at least the way I write, is it's something you hear. It's generally shutting music off and humming more than listening. And 
by kind of just humming and letting something come out of you and then you start applying meaning. And then there's this thing there, um, a more recent song I did, I went through 10 mixes of it with a guy and I simply came to the realization it shouldn't take 10 mixes. I did it wrong. And the song and the melody to me was worth it to... Um, I had to move on, work with somebody else, get rid of everything, start over again because... No, thank God that's not parenting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I gotta you fail. Got, I'm just gonna you, give this one up. Yeah, let's give this one up. Let's start over again. I guess that's where the, yeah, the similarity ends. But, but all that to say, it's like how much do you want to steward something and then eventually, you know, you let it go. And I, I did, I spent a year and a half on it and it was way too long to spend on a song. My mind was, I was tripping out that I couldn't find myself satisfied with it but it um it was because I kind of knew what it could be and it wasn't that so already that tells me that it's like something other than me it's like yes uh, so it is external to you it's internal and external at the same time what yeah crazy paradigm and that's kind of the role of an artist is things bubble up in you in your life and the second you stop it's over but if you're open to it if you're Kind of, uh, I was talking with a friend of mine who's a uh, a painter and a tattoo artist, and um, we we're talking about how the most valuable thing anybody can create, an artist can create, is just a blank space. And mm. if you create that blank space to allow these things to kind of come through you, and then you maybe go to school or you do your homework and you learn how to then shape and mold it and bring it into the light uh, in the way that you initially kind of felt like it should be heard. That's, I think that's where it's yours. And after that, once you stamp it, you put it on Spotify or you put it up in a gallery. Uh, yeah, it really isn't yours anymore. You let it, you let it go. And that's probably a beautiful part of parenting too. Like get out of my house. <laughs> it's a beautiful part, but also a really challenging one. Yeah. It's hard to send it out into the world because you're not quite sure what's going to happen with it. But sure. I, I think that is, that's a, a wonderful analogy and I never really thought of it that way, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah. So you owe me at least one more singer, I think. One more influence. Sure. This is impossible. I feel like I need to look through my Spotify. But <laughs> uh, one that really influenced me, I'd say, over the last few years was Matt Bellamy from Muse. I love his power and his voice. His range. His range is insane. Insane. I, I believe they looked at his um, whatever his vocal cords, and he has the same vocal cords as a woman, like whatever that means. Wow. It's, I feel like I need to go look that up. Uh, yeah. There's super curious I, about that. I was curious too, but I, all that to say, I'd say over the last few years, I kind of just went deep into their catalog, but as a singer, I thought he was, uh, he's quite a powerful, quite a powerful voice. So that's a, that's a really great influence. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's so varied too. And that leads me to the next question for you. So, one thing I always do in my work is try to target students and help them work toward their specific genre. Like, what do they want to say? What is their style? One thing that's not my job as a voice teacher, as a coach, is to get in the way of a singer's style. So that leads to the question of, what is your genre? Like, what type of music, with all of these influences, would you say you've landed on? I mean, obviously, you've sung tons of different types of music. But what's the style that you've landed on? Good question. I don't really have one. I would be totally honest. And I'm okay with that. Um, 
if I were to land anywhere, I'd say something along. I also grew up doing church, uh, music in church, so you know, a lot of gospel singers. You know, a, a lot of something that's very hopeful just feels better to sing, and you can also really belt, and then they can pull the music out from under you, and it can be so emotional and heartfelt. So. That's my favorite genre to actually sing now. Gospel. Gospel. Like, wow. And I, am I good at it? But I don't know. But I would say there's a number of artists who I enjoy who employ a kind of hybrid of gospel and hip-hop and rock and, you know, R&B. So, yeah, again, to put it in one genre, I, I can't quite, but music that is hopeful and heavy... That's my favorite to sing. Whatever genre that could be in. But I definitely don't have one style, which has worked against me. Yes, uh, that's a whole conversation. It's really challenging. Yeah, because yeah. in music, I mean, just look at your Spotify playlist. In music, they want you, or they, who is they, whatever. Who is <laughs> right? they? The they, Yeah, those, those whoever. <laughs> the listeners, the people, you know, creating algorithms and playlists, they want to know what box to put you in. Yeah. And it's really hard when you don't have a box. Yeah. Like, so what would, what do you do to combat that? Good question. Yeah. I had a, I have a cousin who played trombone in the temptations and <laughs> so cool. I did an EP that had that gospel song. It had somewhat of an eighties, uh, pop rock song. And then this like very orchestral, uh, piece that I wouldn't even know how to define and he relate he loved it, but he related it to somebody he knew in the industry. He was like, "Hey, look at my cousin. Check out what he's doing." And they thought, "This is this is awesome. This is really varied and well done." But we would not know what the hell to do with that. Right. I mean, there's not one of the songs is like the other. They're also uh, so each song is marketed to a different group of people. <laughs> they don't know what to do with you. There you go. Yeah. So what do you do with that? I don't know. I guess I'm I'm in this period of trying to hone in a few different genres, a few different feels. And if you release a little body of work, have it at least feel, you know, somewhat on the same planet. So some level of cohesion between your pieces, between your songs. Yeah. But like, like you said, I, you know, I had a friend who really encouraged me and he's in the music industry. Like every, the music you listen to, you're just going to sound like it. If you have a song in your head or if you're singing a certain way, if you end up listening to this band too much you're doing yourself as a professional a disservice because you're going to start acclimating the way you think about lyrics the way you inflect everything to a certain sound so what you should do is follow up a gospel song with some like a german aria and then go listen to anderson pack and then go listen to a country song because if you keep yourself out of that box whatever comes out might be really original it might be really cool or flavored in many different ways so i'm very curious about that and that is my spotify playlist and if somebody shows me an album if the second or third song in if it sounds like the first one i'm disenchanted i'm not really interested but if each one i can tell that they're really hitting on maybe different genres or emotions or moods it's like, wow, well, this is just like a person. There's more range to them. There's more variety that they have access to. They're not just giving you one side. They're less predictable. And I... That's what speaks to you. Yeah, yeah. I think as a rule, just kind of as a person too, if you're making predictable choices, 
you, I, I don't know. I mean, if you know exactly where you're going to be at the end of the year, is it's less fun to me than making, if you, there's two things in front of you, what's the less predictable one? That to me has led to good things in life, music and otherwise, so... Yeah, and variety is the spice of life. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah. So what I'm trying to say is I'm screwed as far as marketing goes. <laughs> <laughs> well, but... <laughs> I don't know. Because it's interesting now because the world is just a different place. Yeah. You know, we're just in a different world in terms of understanding how you get music out there. There aren't these gatekeepers. I talk about this all the time. There's not the same level of gatekeeping as we had, let's say, 10, 15 years ago where you had to get a record deal and you had to hope somebody was going to push you out to the world. Yeah, You're sure. pushing yourself out to the world now. And so it's it's a wonderful opportunity, but it's also a big challenge because you're pushing yourself out to the world while millions mm. of other people are too. Yeah. So absolutely. it's a challenge. How have you? How have you dealt with building an audience in this current climate? Sure. Uh, I think most, I feel like most musicians, myself included, become just Instagram musicians because it's a great outlet to, you can pay X amount and market yourself. You can, uh, yeah. So taking full advantage of social media. Absolutely. And to be honest though, like I I think I played one big show right before lockdown happened and I was actually curating a venue in Newberry Park that was at this brilliant modern architectural place and we we're going to try to get like three bands in there a month and just have it be this, have creativity, cultivate community. Um, I love that, clearly. Which I'm we a need, big fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which we need again. I mean, I, we, we did one and then that got derailed, but that was also born out of, going back to your question, I think really the best, if you can get a sync, that's huge. Mm. And the other one is just old-fashioned groundwork. Go meet people. Go play. Get outside of the box of your phone and doing what everyone else is doing. And so, yeah, I mean, not having shows the last few years really didn't help. But let's say that COVID wasn't an issue, at least here in Southern California, Ventura County. Uh I'd be challenged and pressed to like tell you a good venue where people aren't just going to be drinking their beer and talking over you, where musicians or artists of any form aren't like tucked back into a corner and maybe you have your friends there. Like, so my thinking was like, how do you, okay, so how do you promote yourself now? And how do you, how do you build that? Uh, I kind of went an alternative route where I was like, we need to change the venues. Let's create the venue where people can come really celebrate and get to know because right now there's no places I really want to go see people uh, and there's no places I want to play. Well, and I, I love that because when you see a problem, you don't see a solution. The best answer is to be the solution. Yeah. And you're not the only person that feels that way. There's like, what are we going to do on a Friday night? You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now that people are coming out of COVID, that's, you know, you're coming out of COVID going, okay, what is, what is social interaction around music even mean anymore? Mm, absolutely. It's really upended everything. Yeah. And how many of these people, again, with social media being such a big thing, how many of them are good? How many of them can actually perform and sing and play or... I shouldn't say that, but, you know, if they're in a room with you, are they charismatic? Does their music hit you? Is it how much, because you can curate a lot behind 
the scenes, you know. Uh, oh, and, and if it's a it, video format, it's completely different than live. Exactly. Like, whether you translate to being being able to captivate an audience live yeah. is a very different thing. It's like a, a stage actor versus a film actor. Totally. The two don't always cross over well. Not at all. Not at all. So it's, yeah, like you're saying, it's such a multifaceted thing. It's something I'm still trying to figure out for sure, but I think it just goes, it's, it's like very simple. Write something that, is going to move people, you know? And it's kind of like, I was having a conversation with my um, my friend, he's a French guy, and he was like, you know, I just really don't understand why musicians make music. I mean, why are you making something for other people? You know, <laughs> why, why do you, you give your whole life to this thing? You know, why? And um, he's a cook. And so I was telling him, it's no different than you making a dish. Like, it's not just something that you want to make and just enjoy yourself. You have to gauge the response, like... You won't really know until you have other people try it. And if they all say it's crap, then like you have a crisis and have to go oh. rethink your taste buds, you know? Yes. Um, well, so- that's, that's the question too. Are you making art for the sake of yourself, like self-aggrandizing? Yeah. Or are you making entertainment for the sake of others? Mm. Or is there some middle ground in there? Yes. And I think that's why I've been rambling is because there is no one answer. It's multiple things. It's yeah. like to build an audience, to be entertaining, to also just be very honest and hopefully say and do something that is worth people's time. Uh, I'd like to think if you just invest in the quality of that, however you're getting it out there, it'll, it'll rise, you know, and kind of be found by people, but you've got to just do it for not to be found, but just because it's coming from an honest place and you need to express yourself honestly. And there's only so many ways to really do that in life. You know, I think there's, that's brilliant because it's something that's, for most singers, I find there's something in us we have to say. Mm. We have to sing. It's like an imperative. And if you don't do it for a little bit, it's going to be an itch you're going to have to scratch. Yeah. It's going to be a problem. So yeah. you're going to find an outlet in some way, shape, or form to make that happen. Of whether course. it is Instagram or whether you can make live music happen and interact with an audience. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Once you got the bug... Good luck letting it die. I mean... I don't think it does. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, just, it just maybe it might go dormant for a little while, but it, it comes back to bite you. Yeah. Can I throw that question back at you? What would you say as far as building an audience, doing something that is worth other people's time? Well, that's a, yeah. it's a really tough question, and it's one that I'm sure we'll be, we'll be exploring further in the podcast because it's one I think we all have to deal with. Yeah. Um, for me... I, f- I had your same issue early on recording where I just, I just like to sing everything. So if you know anything about me, it's, it's really hard. It was at a certain point to really discern where I wanted to focus my energy um, because I was just happy singing everything and anything. And I do have a rule, or I did, I should say, up until a few months ago, that anytime somebody asked me to sing, I would just say yes. Mm. And I think it's, that's the number one marketing advice I can give to any singer is say yes, Mm -hmm. because you never know who's listening and you never know who they know or what opportunity it's going to lead to just say yes. And then the more yeses you say, the more people they say, Hey, have you ever heard Heidi sing? Oh my gosh. You know, like Mm. it's a, it's a really cool thing. And, um, so I think that that's a scalable idea. Okay. So you can do that in your daily life, you know, even at grandma's Thanksgiving table. Mm. Um, but you could do that in your online life. You can do that in your, in your work life. 
you know, I'm a big fan of taking requests and seeing where it leads you. So walking down the rabbit hole of, I want to try this music. And also another big thing about growing your audience is engaging with your audience. Hmm. So you have to know, A, it's it's hard because you have to know who you are. Hmm. And I think young people take a long time to figure that out. Yeah. And for me, I think I didn't figure it out till I was, I don't know, 35, 38. Mm. <laughs> I was still like trying out different versions of myself. And sure. that's the beauty of music is like you can keep evolving with it. But yeah. it, it does make it hard to cultivate and grow an audience. Yeah. The people who find popular success tend to figure that out really early. Like your Billie Eilish's, mm. so that kid knows who she is. Sure. She's a very specific brand and a very specific voice and a very specific color and I don't mean to say it's easy to grow an audience from there, but it's definitely easier Yeah, because absolutely. you have a perspective and the people who are interested in your brand are going to, and, and that's the other thing too, it's brand, which is kind of a crazy conversation for singers to have. Hmm. Like we want to think about art. We want to think about what we have to say, yeah. but it's not, it's not outside of our world to have to consider what our brand is. Yeah. So I think I've rambled just as much as you about it because it's such a conundrum for singers. How mm. do you build an audience? What do you say? And understand what you're doing and what your brand is and what you're actually doing. At a yeah. certain point, I realized I teach as much as I sing. Mm. And that's as much a part of my brand as, as singing. Yeah. So mm. that obviously is very me-oriented. <laughs> yeah. It's not true for everybody. Um, but you'll understand things like, okay, maybe your brand is curating an artistic environment. So maybe mm. this thing with finding venues, creating venues that feel like it's holistically what you do mm. might be where you, the nexus of your actual brand starts. Sure. And it comes from the music. It, it's born out of music. Yeah. But it, it's much more all-encompassing than just music. Yeah. Does that make sense? Of course. Yeah. No, it really does. Uh, I think, <clears throat> you know, it's like artists in general, I'd say we have a very like weird relationship with ourselves because there's, I don't want to say narcissistic, but narcissistic. Oh, no, no. But you can say narcissistic. Okay, I will, yeah. I always say <laughs> <laughs> there's no good singer that doesn't like the sound of their own voice. Uh, yeah, totally. And so that leads to a weird relationship and then the, with yourself and then to try to market that as well. And it can just get like, you're staring at yourself in a mirror with a magnifying glass and you're like, how do I get other people to see me the way that I see me? And I do think you have to shut that part up because nobody likes that in any capacity on earth, like whether it's dealing with other people, just any sort of like selfish Organism, And I think we can hear that and feel that in people. You know, the other thing too, I think is tricky with that is you have to not have the stench of desperation on you. Yeah. Like if you are so seeking other people's approval yeah. that everything you're doing feels like you're reaching to them versus mm. bringing them to you. Yeah. That's a hard thing to cultivate. Yeah. Like if you are so seeking others approval Mm-hmm. that you stop being who you are because you're trying so hard to please your audience. Mm. I think that's the point at which you've probably lost the plot. Yeah, I'd say so. Cause you're not really offering anything then you're just kind of crying out for help. Yeah. And people, people can see it. You know, it's one of those, yeah. it, it, if you have a desperation in what you're doing and you're not secure in who you are, I think people can see it. 
Totally. Yeah. And it, it could, also makes it less marketable because you you don't want to you don't want to be around that. You feel sympathetic maybe for it, but you're not enjoying the music because it loses its own agency. Sure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I just I think the and these are like deep questions now, but they are what art is made out of and where we sing from. Uh, but like that your purpose shouldn't lie with you. It should lie with other people. So I definitely don't have that figured out by any means, but I do think it's a bad road to try to what we're talking about, like invest and focus on yourself too much as opposed to just looking at people around you, especially other artists, people who are creating things. It's a very vulnerable, weird medium to be in and to grow in, especially as time goes on where it, it's kind of can be like fun and especially out of school. Like I know there's plenty of people in school or they're younger, but like once you move on, I'd say even from college, like, you know, it kind of gets thrown into the hobby pile mm. by a lot of people. And because it's the value of art, isn't something that you can measure and quantify by most of the metrics that we value success. You can yeah. put it like, Oh, well I'm working at this company. I'm worth X amount an hour. That plays into how I see myself. That puts me above X amount of people, below other people. And when it's about creating and singing and being honest and maybe doing something through music that is going to help other people, um, these are really weird metrics that there's really, there's no, uh, nothing written to help us. You kind of have to decide. You have to define that value system for yourself. So if your thing... If you're too selfish, then your value system is all about you, and that isn't appealing to people. Right. Um, and I think, well, and it's funny because if you if you're too selfish, it's not appealing. If you're too desperate, it's not appealing. You have to yeah. find the happy medium where you're serving others and being honest with yourself. Yeah, yeah. So I agree. Yeah. Hey, we we agree. <laughs> I don't think we. I don't think we've disagreed. First time ever. I don't think that's. True. I don't think we've ever disagreed, or maybe we have just walked down the philosophical road in slightly different paths. But I think it's a fabulous place for me to bring you back and to bring our listeners back to your music specifically. So I'm going to ask you to give us a little flavor of who Jeremiah Gray is, and we're going to play one of your tracks. But before we play your track, I'm going to ask you to tell us a little bit about it. So tell us what you're, what you're bringing today, what music you're sharing with, with the Master Your Voice podcast, and what, tell us a little bit about the background, the piece, anything you want, the song. Okay, cool. One song? One song. Okay. okay. Let's go with um, A Glow. Yeah. Okay, tell us about a glow. <laughs> tell us a little bit about no, a glow. A little I, unprepared on this. No, I feel, like I, I feel like I caught you. Tell us about a glow. Yeah, a glow is a, it's that more or less, I only say 80s because there's a lot of synth in it, but it's somewhat of an anthemic pop rock song that I wrote while I was at COU. We did a music video for it at, on the campus. And... Yeah, I mean, the song is, I was walking around school and the, the chorus is, uh, life is a lonely revolution, yet we live on, love is a lonely revolution, yet we love on. And it kind of fits the vein of what we're talking about today, where it is, you know, the art in any sense, or kind of living, loving. These these acts are, they're very defiant to how we feel, generally, we're, you know, in our insecurities and our doubts. 
Um, so yeah, I wrote this, this song. It has a cool key change, some, a slide guitar solo, uh, <laughs> a really good groove, and um, I'm proud of it. And it's you know it afforded me an opportunity to work with some amazing musicians in the process. So so a glow, a glow.
Oh my gosh, Jeremiah, that piece, that song. <laughs> um, yeah, for those of you guys, I'm struggling because I always try to call music as it is in the proper genre. Oh, what a piece that, that was! That piece was so lovely. <laughs> like I would speak to a, to you like about an aria or an art song would be the piece, but obviously your song, so cool. Oh my gosh, so fun, and I love the backstory. I love the the fact that you poured that the ideas that you have with it and the emotion and the journey that the perspective that that song comes from is really cool yeah and you made it you. you made it a bop you made it like fun and up, upbeat and really cool yeah sadly that's i feel like that's a uh, a struggle for me or like a learning experience to make music that is more upbeat more or happy i suppose you're not, not alone of... you are not alone yeah. so many singers <laughs> <laughs> actually it's kind of funny i have i have one singer just kind of on a sidebar who always does covers of other people's like emo type stuff super slow and ballads but the music she writes is fun nice it's like the opposite of most people most yeah. people want to sing these like very ballad emotional things and of one course. one lesson i've learned the hard way is audiences want to have fun more than they want to want to be emotionally connecting and if you do too much of the emotional ballad stuff you yeah. you turn them off kind of fast they, they only they cap out at a certain point yeah 100%. so it's good to make something that feels even if you're packaging your like emotional stuff Totally. In a fun package. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I 100% agree. We've all been to enough shows where you just, you know, no matter how big an artist is, you pop into some other place and there's some Latin brass band and you just want to move to it. It makes you feel so good. So there is an element within that song, A Glow. The lyrics are, you know, they're not pop lyrics. They're not everything is fine, but the music itself can push you and you can dance to it and move to it. And so... I'm excited to explore more of that sort of combination of maybe lyrically things being a bit weightier or lighter and having the music juxtapose that and just kind of seeing what comes out. But that one was fun, again, because it was all a, a Cal Lutheran baby where you were my teacher. That's where I, I worked on that one. Uh, my good friend Oliver went to Cal Lutheran. He just did a house remix of it, which is doing really well. Uh, and, then, and we'll put a link to that, by the way, if, you, if it's up. If it's up and out, we'll put a link. Yeah. And then Jordan Erickson, who's a fellow, another one of your students. Yes. Um, we did a music video on Shout campus. Shout out to Jordan. Shout out we to Jordan. Him. Crushed our you know, tracking shot music video at the CLU campus for that one. So thanks Love for listening. It. Oh my gosh. So cool. Jeremiah, before I let you go, because I have to give you a moment here to plug anything, where can people find you and find your music? Awesome. Yeah, jagmusic.com. So my name is Jeremiah Angelus Anthony Gray. I go That's by a lot of A's. A lot of A's. Yeah, A A. I go by uh, just my initials, which is Jag, J A A G for music. Two A's, in case you didn't catch it. Two A's. Two A's. So J A G music.com. I'm always updating and you know posting things about shows and new music coming out there. Uh, Jag on Spotify as well. Again, we'll have links. And then Instagram, it's two underscores and then Jag. In those places, I regularly update goings on and new music coming out. Uh, I'm working on a 10-song album. I've done two EPs and several singles, so this is my first big body of work. It's all stuff that is uh, very different and stuff that made me kind of uncomfortable. I wanted to take the music, the lyrics, the melody in places that it didn't want to go. And so we're hard at work on that and hoping to have that out later this year. 
Yay. So. Well, Jeremiah, thank you so much for joining me in my studio for the Master Your Voice podcast. What a pleasure. I hope you've had as much fun as I have. I And for the record, my very first interview, and I can't even hey. imagine a better person to have on my podcast for my first interview. We'll see. I may be okay at this or horrible at it, but either way, I thank you for your patience and for coming in and talking to me. Yeah, you're brave for trusting me on your first one. I appreciate that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but thank you, Heidi, and uh, for anybody listening who's been lucky enough to get to know or work with Heidi. uh, This is really awesome that she's doing this, so let's definitely, like, I'm going to be tuning in, be encouraging this. Again, it's just people need, you know, to get out of their heads, and we need more community around art especially outside of outside of school things like outside of institutions outside of institutions that's been my theme if you haven't if you haven't been following me it's taking it out of the institution putting it in places finding new venues and supporting people um, in ways that are accessible to everybody yeah you 100% have the charisma and drive to make this happen so excited to be here at the inception of a new thing I love it Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you. So again, a huge thank you to Jeremiah Gray for coming in and talking to me on this week's episode of the Master Your Voice podcast. Before I leave you, I do want to answer one of the questions from my Master Your Voice Facebook group. This one comes from Scott Brody. He asks... Where do you get the backing tracks for those self-tapes? And I want to pivot that question and answer not just that, but also answer where to find some resources to help you with accompaniment. So first and foremost, students find tracks all over the internet for their backing tracks. And there are services that will make you fabulous backing tracks. Lots of people grab them off of YouTube. I am not endorsing that per se, because there are some copyright issues with that, but Plenty of people do it. Um, And I also actually love to purchase the MP3. I feel like that's the legal way of doing it. You purchase the MP3. um, And there are some really wonderful MP3 backing tracks that are out there. So you can purchase them on Amazon Music or wherever you can find a downloadable track. So most people do a lot of Google searching. That said, you can also corner a really good friend of yours who plays the piano and is willing to let you record them. But in terms of practice tracks, I want to give a big shout out to App Companist. Now, they are not an endorser of the Master Your Voice podcast just yet, though I would certainly welcome them to be. The App Companist app is really, really functional. So it's a huge library of musical theater and classical pieces that can be transposed. You can change tempos. You can isolate the vocal line. It's very functional. So I highly suggest it to my singers out there who need a little bit of coaching, but maybe you don't have a coach in your area, or maybe it's cost prohibitive because let's be honest, private coaching, private voice lessons are very expensive. And there are now resources out there like the Master Your Voice Facebook group to help you get on your feet, to help you and support you on your musical journey without costing you a fortune. So App Companist is something I highly, highly endorse. Now, a few notes before I leave you. We're so busy over at the Master Your Voice Facebook group, and I want to invite everyone to join us. If you want to continue your musical journey and level up your singing, come and see us on Facebook. Again, it's Master Your Voice, all one word, capital Y-O-U-R, 
master your voice. Find us on Facebook, get involved in the group, post a self-tape, participate in one of our challenges. We always have a challenge going on. And this time, right now, we're in the middle of our two by two by two challenge, meaning two minutes, at least two people. And you've got about two weeks to put the challenge together. That said, this isn't a graded assignment. So if it's late, believe me, we're all fine. We just want you jumping in the pool, getting in there and posting and becoming part of the group. Another super fun announcement is we have some live events coming up in the Southern California area. So if you're on the Master Your Voice Facebook group and you want to get together with other people, sing for other people and level yourself up, make sure you're participating. And if you're in Southern California, show up for one of our events. So excited to have you. And thank you so much for supporting the podcast. I look forward to hearing you and seeing you in the Facebook group soon. This is the Master Your Voice podcast. I'm your host, master teacher, and singer, Heidi Boss. Till next week, just keep singing. Da-da, da-da-da-da-da-do, da 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 da